Hey, welcome back everyone to After the Checkers. Um, I, I always think to do this and I always forget to do it. This show is brought to you by YourMTH.com. That's um, Minnesota Truck Headquarters and Rascal Aluminum. Sometimes people don't watch all the way to the end when we talk in depth about those people, um, but I need to thank them right up front. And I need to thank that guy right there, Jonathan Olmscheid, the U.S. Modified. And so uh, we talked about that. That's why I do that. Exactly. Welcome to the show. Jonathan, how the heck are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I, I appreciate you coming on the show. You are, um, I'm going to give you my impression of you first, not uh, my impression of like how you talk, but you're you and I've never talked. I don't think other than, Hey, how you doing? You know, good run tonight or whatever after the races are over, but we've never like hung out in your trailer and like gotten to know each other, or anything and high fived and that sort of stuff. But for the better part of 10 or 15 years, I've announced your races. Um, or it seems that long anyways. And you seem honestly like the nicest guy in the whole pit area. Like that's, that's very much my, and on the track, like you're, you're an exceptionally clean racer. Um, even when, even when sort of shitty things happen to you, you always kind of get out of the car and be like, we'll get them next time kind of thing. And so is that, is that who you are? Well, I'm an accountant, so it's not my nature to uh, be aggressive. It's <laughs> blue passive colors. Yeah. Uh, Typically, if there's somebody that needs a hand, we'll help them. It doesn't matter if they're going to go out and whoop my butt on the next race. We'll help them. That's just yeah. the way we are. And family ordeal. So the whole I, racing community along with ours. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think there's way more. I think there's way more people like that than we think there are. You know what I mean? Like for as a spectator, or a, a person that's not in the pits during the races, um, I, I think there's a lot of like, I, I just want to race, man. And I don't care if you're going to beat me, I'm going to help you and give you my parts and then let you go beat me kind of thing. And then we'll figure out the money or the trade and parts back and forth or whatever it is. We'll figure that out later on kind of thing. And so it's part of what makes this sport so damn awesome. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of guys that'd be willing to jump in and help at any time, but they're a bit awkward and don't know how to go help because sure. they're like, well, I don't know if I would like that guy touching my stuff. So maybe yeah. he won't like me touching his stuff and helping that him. That could very so, well be too. Absolutely. Sometimes people get uh uh get pretty protective of what's under the skirt if you if you you know that the whole like this is my setup and I don't want you looking at my stuff kind of thing. The beautiful thing about if I ever volunteer to help you, Jonathan, uh I have no idea what any of it is underneath there. And so that I, I, I would be the perfect guy to help. <laughs> and as long so, as you put the lug nuts on the right way, you're good. That's exactly that. That would be my skill level underneath uh, working on a race car for damn sure. So um, where, how long have you raced? Where did that all start? Where did, where does racing start for Jonathan Olmscheid? Racing starts in 2001 when I am 15 years old. In uh, 1985, Mercury Lynx on asphalt in Sox Center, Minnesota. Wow, that was uh, that was a minute ago, right there. Uh, absolutely, yeah, and yeah. a lot of pounds ago. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pounds ago. That's yeah. uh, I I relate to that as well. 
Um, I actually only got to see one race ever at the asphalt. Uh, Cause I think that was called I-94 too, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And so that was the, the asphalt I-94 speedway. Um, I only got to see one race there ever. And I was, I, it's, it, it confirmed that I'm a dirt track guy. Like I, the asphalt thing was like, yeah, it's racing, I guess. So it's kind of neat, but it wasn't dirt track racing by any means. No, not at all. Um, but it had its perks. There was times where Saturday afternoon at three o'clock, I rolled the car off the trailer for the first time for the whole week. Yeah. You yeah, did your was- maintenance because there wasn't beating and banging, no holes, no yeah. mud scraping, no washing. Yeah. I mean, you're, did your tires and your standard maintenance and then you did setup. Yep, yep. And then we went and raced. Yeah. Yeah. Unless there was catastrophic damage, there was no damage. Right. Because like, if yeah. you ran into somebody, then it was catastrophic. Right. Like, yeah. Start over. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because way higher speeds, like they're like asphalt tends to give you a, a little higher speeds and and it's there's there's never a, a little bump and bruise. It's always like scoop it up with a shovel and dump it in the trailer and we'll start over next week kind of thing. It's the way it seems right. Almost. Yeah. Yep. That Mercury Lynx, I think, made it six races before I was upside down on the back straightaway. <laughs> and that little unibody, it was done. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep. Or or you had one of those like yawed out uh, you know, weird weird super setups like the the nascar guys had for a while um so where so when did dirt track like i did you transfer to dirt track because the tar track went away then yes so in 2008 was the last time i-94 and sock center raced and i raced there with a modified in 2008 and we sold everything. It was a left-hander chassis. It went off to a guy in Pennsylvania because there was very few asphalt tracks left that yeah. had modifieds. And so we were just going to be done racing until the guy that gave me my first cutlass says, Hey, I got a $2,500 roller I can sell you. And I know you got a spare motor for that modified. Go race a B mod. And Dumbly, we did. Went and bought it. And and that was in 2008. That was, yeah. So starting in 2009 year. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yep. So I remember maybe about that time, um, you had the, the graphic on your car because uh, you were sponsored by the, the ethanol, US ethanol, I think is, is not only your number, but your sponsor. Um, and, and the, the corn, the ear of corn kind of come up and it was your sale panel. Mm-hmm. Remember that car? That's my all time favorite Jonathan Olmscheid car. Um, and it's, I, I need to know why, why that, I mean, just, it looked badass is what it did. Um, and so why, why did you have that? And, and I think I know the reason now, but why don't you have it now? So I, transition to that because even back in the asphalt days we ran ethanol to help keep the engines run cool and so we continued that onto the dirt and then a lot of people told me we you can't do that so i'm like well yeah we can yeah so i wanted to show everybody we can so we put that corn con 
graphic on there and I made my number US ethanol. That's not a sponsor. I just made my number that to oh, draw awareness okay. to it. Yeah. Okay, sure. And then I got known as the corn cob card. And then I'm like, you know what? We're just going to make this sale panel. The corn cob will be yeah. right in a graphic. Well, I got DQ'd two times that year for that because you either had a fully closed sale or it had to be completely open with just a two inch rim. But because I had the corn cob going through the middle, I got DQ'd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Like that sucks. It like because yep. it it looked cool, and I I assume that's probably the same rule now. Like you you yeah you got to have a sail panel or not a sail panel, and so um right. so the solution I I'm thinking here is uh like plexi like to make it look clear, and then and then have it so then it's closed off, but then have your corn go over the top of it. I don't know, just spitballing. Yeah, that's how we finished out the year. I I put plexiglass on on the yeah. third night. To- you can't do that. So I went to the hardware store and bought plexiglass and we riveted on at the track. Huh. And, and was that okay then? Yep. That yeah. was okay. I mean, it did not look as cool, but yeah, no, for sure. Not hard to make plexiglass curve curve. <laughs> yeah. Curve two different directions. Like it'll curve right. one for a little bit and then it breaks, but um, yep. and it, yeah, it's super not durable either. So if you get any kind of little bit of uh, uh, contact with another car, then you get, then you're introducing a whole different debris field into the track. It's not tin, it's razor sharp plexi. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not cool. So, so we, you go to B mods and on the dirt in 08 or 09, I guess. And then how long are you in a B mod before you transition up to the, to the modified class? The first modified was in 2018. So we raced. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we didn't race a lot. So you've had guys on the show say, you know, we're maybe going to take a year off and only maybe race 20, 30 times <laughs> on the asphalt. The Seriously, the, the most I ever had was 22 racing two tracks. Okay. Wow. So then when we go to the, the dirt, man, I thought it was great if I got 15 shows in. Yeah. Which it is. You like know. if that's what, if that's what, if that's what you want to do, then I love that. Yeah. So, you know, we're just a small operation, you know, and it's all family. So we didn't travel a lot and we, as long as we had fun, you know, we weren't really competitive, you know, it wasn't until the later years in the, in the B mod before we actually started to win some races. So, yeah. Yeah. And so what, so now doing the math there, you're five years in the modified. Is that about right? Five or six? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so was the, do I remember is the corn cob car that was a B mod? So the corn cob started as a B mod, but the open sale was the first year of modified. It was okay. Cause that's the one I remembered the most is, is your yep. cars always look fairly similar. They're all kind of the same brand, if you will. Yep. Um, uh, which is I, the blue is like, I am near and dear blue is my, I love blue um on a race car it's my very favorite um and i love simple like i like your car is like whereas i think a lot of people go oh it's just a blue car with a number on it i love like i love simple blue cars and so um and the numbers on the door which is even better because i'm not a big uh quarter panel or sail panel number guy it's just well documented um, <laughs> <laughs> um and so what, 
what keeps a guy going? Is it is it just a inherent I love racing kind of a thing, or is it? You've mentioned family three or four times already. Is it a the wife and the kids love doing it, and so I'm going to keep doing it, or is like what what keeps you what keeps you jumping in the race car when clearly you could do other things? And Christ sakes, you're an accountant. It's not like you. It's not like you live this danger lifestyle, you know, you're in and you're out. So is it, is it that where it's, it's sort of your adrenaline fix for, for typing on the way on a, on Excel spreadsheets? Well, my dad raced back in the seventies and eighties, and then he quit before I was born. So I never got to see him race. Okay. And now, oh, probably five years ago now, we, gave him a replica vintage car of what his car was back in the late seventies. So he races that. And so there's, and my brother races and I have a nephew and a niece that race. So there's times where we have five or six cars at the track on a given night. That's And then, so I look back at the 30 times. So it's the first time I've ever raced 30 times to get Wasota points for ever. And I can honestly say there was not a single night of those 30s where one of my two boys, either the four or the eight-year-old, that were not with me at the racetrack. Yeah, that's that's the best. Yeah. yeah. So you're it's you're giving your boys something that you didn't get. Like you, they're getting to see their dad race. Now, maybe the four-year-old probably doesn't remember much of it at this point, but as long as you as long as you get another five or ten years in you man, like that, it sets them up. I, I think so good. It, it gives them a great, like, this is what teamwork is. And this is what, you know, cooperating with other people. And it gives them a, a, a healthy competition, you know, competitive spirit kind of a thing. Racing is, is it teaches them how to work on stuff and, you know, how to change oil and how to, uh, you know, change a tire, all of those basic life skills that, are just so lacking today it like more more dads should take their kids racing well i agree i mean my boys have met so many people and i mean for pete's sakes they've been inside monster trucks just because we've been parked next to them at the racetrack sure and the driver of that monster truck goes your boys are already scraping mud why don't they come over here yeah. and legitimately got to ride in a monster truck just because they were out helping me yeah yeah that's good I'm jealous of that, but that's good. Oh, me too. I haven't been in a monster truck. I mean, my my employer owns like a freaking dozen monster trucks. Uh, the the racetrack employer, anyways, and I ain't, I ain't got to drive in no monster trucks yet. So I got to touch one once, but that's that's as close as Kyle gets. So um, and it's a truck that's like you shouldn't even be nervous about wrecking it because it's a truck built to be wrecked, right? I don't know, right? Um, yeah. James, if you're watching, maybe that could be my bonus next year is 10 minutes in a monster truck. But um, hell, I'd settle for two minutes in a monster truck. But um, uh, man, that's so the the family aspect of it is clearly that's a, a huge deal. Um, I, I love that you're like there's that you guys could bring your own class to a rate. Are they what classes? Your dad obviously is in a vintage car, so he runs the is it the NVSR? Yep. And the Hot Rod Racing Association. Okay. Nice. Yep. Um, and so, and he had that car down in Bristol as well, right? 
Yep. Yeah. Okay. You raced it with the factory stocks where they had 10 inch asphalt slick tires. Nice. That's crazy. Did you freeze on me? Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. Like, are you good? Yep. Okay. Kurt. Yeah. We're, we're both good. I think so. Um, uh, yeah, we, sorry, just touching on Bristol. We probably would have yeah. never done that trip. Um, if there wasn't the opportunity for my dad to go race Bristol, I mean, at that time at 73 to be able to go buzz around Bristol. I mean, yeah. we had to put a full containment seat in and make it, you know, all Bristol worthy, Right. but still for him to be out there cruising at nearly a hundred at 73, man, I still, I just hope I'm upright at that. Yeah, age. exactly. I, I talk about, um, we had Clarence Washburn on the, on the show. Um, and I think Clarence at the time that he was on the show was 78 or 79 years old and still jumping in a late model and, and jumping, not, not five times a year, like two or three times a week, he's jumping in a late model and getting it done at damn near 80. And, and I'm like, I, the thought of climbing through a window at, at I'm 50 years old. If, if I could climb through a window when I'm 60 years old, I'm going to be super stoked. <laughs> and he's 30 years older than me still doing it through a late model. It's just crazy. And so um, I love that aspect of, of um, it confirms what my original impression was. you is ju you're just a genuine, nice guy. And the fact that, that your Bristol experience is, is, is really about your dad's experience there, not necessarily your experience there. That's pretty damn cool. So, um, yeah, I like that a lot. So, so you brought up, you brought up Bristol. Let's talk about Bristol a little bit is, is you, you were pretty successful there. Like you went down there and, and you, your a main, you qualified to the a main, which a lot of times, you know, sort of small budget guys that don't tour nationally, um, like making the a main is maybe the goal. Like, Hey, I don't care if I get 24th. I, I freaking started the a main at Bristol motor speedway kind of thing. You finished ninth. Like that's a top 10 at freaking Bristol. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. I mean, that place is, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, if, if you're scared of running the wall anywhere, you go there, it's going to force you to hold it to the floor. I mean, yeah. if you don't, you're going to take out a dirtle. I mean, it, it was awesome. And, uh, yeah, we were just fortunate to stay out of wrecks. I mean, there was a lot of cars that were absolutely junk. And yeah, I mean, you, you might talk about going to the dome or what have you and having junk equipment, but there you're hitting somebody at maybe 60 here. We were averaging over 120 miles yeah. an hour. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's fast. <laughs> yeah. And things happen you know, as, as announcers, we always sort of comment on guys that, you know, the crash happens in turn one and you're coming out of turn four, trying to get to the crash as fast as you can. And, and crap, you're, you know, you're like two seconds afterwards, like just turn and get the hell out of the way. Like, don't, don't add to the crash. Well, there you, there is no choice. Like it's, it's, you're going that fast stuff is happening so fast in front of you you literally have to be looking a whole straightaway head in order to, to get yourself woed down enough to avoid a crash. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the whole damage that I had for, from that event was a caution came out 
And by the time I heard it and let off, the guy was a split second in front of me. And I drove to where my rear bumper was under his rear end, mm. you know, and it took my nose off, but it was just that fast and that quick. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, it took me probably 15 laps before I had the cojones to look up at one little glimpse I had out of the corner to see the lap counter. Because uh, the only lap counter was up on the, the tower in the center, the oh, big okay. screen. Yep. yep. So either coming out of two or coming out of four, you know, with, with the full containment seat and everything, there was only a little window that I had to see the screen. <laughs> and I don't think that was until the third night before I had the balls to do that. Without yeah, hitting to, the wall to look away from the off. racetrack. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then you see, it just, it proves how great the NASCAR guys are because they're, they're going faster obviously uh and there's 40 of them on the track at the same time you're in lap traffic from lap five on for the next 495 laps you're in lap traffic and they're like you see them in the car and they're like just you know yeah yeah well (laughs) no offense though i mean i've done 110 at lacrosse in wisconsin and no asphalt track. I don't care how rough it is. It does not compare to being on an asphalt track where you're hiked up on the left rear and yeah. you're hammering Bouncing. like that. Yeah, it's not smooth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there, there's nothing smooth about it. I don't care. Even if it's rubbered up, you're humping with the motor. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I jest there obviously, but it's, it's they. It's true a little bit that they they're things have slowed down so much for them. Whereas, you know, if, if you raced, if there was such thing as a Bristol weekly race and you did it all the time, well, then it wouldn't be that big a deal. Like you, like you, I mean, going 120 into turn one or 120 into turn three would just be what you do kind of a thing. I think, like you said, by the third day, I was, I was used to it enough to at least peak kind of thing. Whereas, if you did it all the time, if, if 120 was just what you did in a modified car all the time, that's just what you do. Everything slows down at that point. You know, it's, it's the, I've talked to, to guys on the show here about going from like a super to a late model and, and, you know, things are moving pretty fast right away. And then pretty soon, like, Oh, no, I'm just racing again. And it's just, everything's moving at the same pace as that it was before. You just got to get used to just used to the new speed, you know, find a new normal. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter the class. I mean, you sit cars, it, it's seat time all the way through. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a front wheel drive Hornet to a late mile to a sprint car. It's that seat time to get you comfortable. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's on the bullring of Princeton or the half mile of Alec without a wall to where you got to have canonies to get up yeah, on exactly. that cushion, you know? So yeah it's just seat time. Like you said, uh, and you get comfortable and you just react then you're not even thinking about it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the other thing that people have said too, is that you, you're not thinking about what you're going to do. You're just doing what you're going to do. Like there, you're not, it's not a planned out like, okay, you know, this is what's going to happen next. And, and you know, where you're, you're planning three laps ahead, you may be in your head thinking, okay, if, if I continue to to go to the top. He's going to think I'm going to go to the top. He's going to move up and then I'm going to go to the inside and I'm going to set him up that way. You may be thinking those things, but it's like you say, you're not, 
you don't have to like go, okay, I'm at turn one. What do I do in turn one? Oh yeah. Turn left. Like you're just, it's just a reaction at that point. You're just doing things versus thinking about doing them. Absolutely. You might sit in staging and go, okay, I have so-and-so in front of me. They typically are a bottom feeder. This guy's a wall scraper. I'll shoot the middle, what have you. That thought goes away as soon as you get the <laughs> one to go and you scuff your tires. And then it's like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did exactly what I thought, but I don't even remember thinking it. Yes, you that's a hundred that you explained it much better than I did. That it's like, here's my plan, here's my plan. This is for sure what I'm gonna do. None of that happens. <laughs> no. It turns out the guy in front of you, he didn't have the same plan as you. <laughs> right. And so, or the or worse yet, the guy behind you that blew by you, he didn't have he didn't have the same plan as you either, but um, well, I'd rather him blow by me than take out that left rear quarter. Yeah, yeah. Tin's expensive. And and like if you I had the thought I was gonna ask, I'll I'll come back to it now. If you spent the first decade or so of your life racing on asphalt where where rubbing is racing is highly discouraged. Like you they do not like touching each other at all, let alone you know, beating and banging with each other. Um, is, is that where, cause you have an, a, you're extremely clean on the racetrack. Is that, is that where that comes from? Do you think, or is it just a aversion to wrecking your stuff? I would say it's probably a combination. I mean, as an accountant, I'm generally tight, so I don't want to spend money. Uh, but also on the asphalt, I raced five years with a modified and never replaced a single quarter panel. Yeah, isn't that crazy to even think about on dirt? Right. So a slide job is just foreign to me. Like yeah. I might come in and give somebody a little bump to get them out of the groove, but I'm not going to door anybody. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. It's the accountant thing, you know, coming back. That's like, I'm not spending money on tin. They like, that's a good way to put it. So, but okay. So, um, I talked about it at the top of the show. Uh, one of the big sponsors of this show is the YourMTH.com. Um, Minnesota Trek headquarters, that whole family, that whole team, massive, massive, massive dirt track and racing fans and supporters um, and a supporter of this show as well. They they sponsor the YourMTH.com rapid fire questions. Jonathan, it's five questions that may or may not have to do with race cars um, or racing in general. Um, and here we go. All right. Ready? So, yep. uh, where would your perfect vacation be and who is it with? Hmm. Well, I'm, <laughs> we're racing down South and my whole family's with. Okay. So is it, it's, so is the perfect vacation, a racing vacation? So it would be a Florida racing trip. So my wife can go to the ocean and I and the boys can go to the racetrack. Okay, perfect. So they, I, I like that your perfect vacation, you and your wife are going to separate places. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's, you're in the same state. That's good enough. Um, uh, that's funny. So if you, have you, I guess this brings up the next, the next question is what is your longest racing trip? Like in, in miles, is it Bristol? Nope. Uh, nope. We went to the Wild West shootout in Mesa in 2019. Okay. 
nice. And and how what was your experience there? <laughs> I raced six laps, got stuffed in the wall by Derek Ramirez, and rolled over. Oh, geez. Put her back in the trailer and head north, huh? Well, ironically enough, I bought a beat mod to bring with, so I still had that to raise. But he, Derek, at least apologized in his victory lane speech the next day. That's well, hey, it's it's if apologies, you know, fix cars, then that's that's a good thing. So <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, question number three. Um, and I this was a question that was asked to me is what and I'm I'm modifying it just a little bit. What racing experience is on your anti-bucket list? What experience have you had that you do not ever want to have again in racing? Driving 2,400 miles to only make six laps. <laughs> get rolled over. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I could, yeah. That's, I think about that a lot with guys that come, you know, those huge money races or, or like the dome race or Bristol, or like you say, driving, you know, halfway across the country and then you're junk right away like it, that's got to be just absolutely demoralizing from a from a just a competition point of view because you're you're so amped up for that event for a long time in a financial point of view because it's like nothing about that your race cars are expensive fuels expensive hotels just the time away from your job all of that kind of stuff just to go and be junk six laps in is that's gotta just sting a lot yeah absolutely and yeah. we had truck trouble on the way down so i had to leave the truck in arizona and come back in march and get it oh jeez well you <laughs> just was like keep salt in there <laughs> exactly that was on the trip home that happened obviously it was on the way down and we oh, limped man. it to a shop there mm, no fun so we missed the first weekend because of that this is not, this is, and this is your only trip you've been to the Wild West shootout? Yep. Yeah, that's, I can see why. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I can see why. Um, This is, we've, I didn't know that you were going to talk about family as much as you did, but question number four is, does the family have a nickname for Jonathan Olmscheid? No, not no. my family. Just Jonathan. No. Not my family. Co-workers, yes. No, I'm just <laughs> so what do you have a nickname? Um, not really. No? I mean, I guess I get called the corn cob car. The corn cob by car, kids yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yep. I like it. I like it. That's not a bad, that's not a bad thing whatsoever. So um the last question is 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 always a little deeper, is always a, a little more philosophical, if you will. Uh, and so the fifth question is this, is what do you do over and over and over that you would rather not do like a personality trait or it can't be go to work. Like that's too easy to like, I go to work every day and I'd rather not like that's too easy. But is there like some sort of, is there some sort of tick that Jonathan has that like, man, I wish I could just stop that superstition hmm. or anything like that. Not a superstition, I wouldn't say, um, but I guess I'm pretty anal when it comes to uh, not letting people walk on snow on my driveway because then it's harder for me to scrape it off. Yes. So yeah. it seems minimal, but 
um, it's front in mind as of the last two weeks. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I wish it just wouldn't bug me, but it does. I don't it's, know why. I am the same. I, that's a dad thing is what that is. Like that's a you're maturing into, into like old manhood and mine isn't on the driveway. Like I, like I have a, 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 a dirt gravel driveway. And so I don't mind it getting packed there. Mine is on the steps into the house because it's, there's like perfect, you know, size 10 or whatever footprints like on your steps and it, and you have to, it's like an act of Congress in two hours chipping ice off and it seems to freeze instantly. It's I, yeah, that's a, that's a very good one. I like that. Yeah. That's a, yeah, my wife's going to, my wife's going to call me dumb and a nerd for that one. (laughs) No, women won't understand. That's a dad thing right there. That is an old man. Yeah, get off my lawn, old man, dad thing. Did you just call me an old man? Yes. Yeah. You're. It's. Hey, if if frozen footsteps on the driveway bother you, you are an old man. <laughs> Guilty. Yeah. Exactly. So awesome. That's that you you made my day right there, Jonathan. So uh, <laughs> your com rapid fire questions one through five with Jonathan Olmscheid. The last section that we do um, is brought to you by Rascal Aluminum. It's called the Rascal Aluminum Pay It Forward question. Um, This is where my last guest is going to ask you a question, and then you are going to ask my next guest a question. Um, And it's all brought to you by Rascal Aluminum. Um, They've expanded their their selections. You can get all your rivets from them now. Um, There's um, Go to their Facebook page, Rascal Aluminum on Facebook. They are locked and loaded, stacked to the roof with aluminum right now and all of the uh, the rivets to put it all together and that sort of stuff. And so uh, find them, buy your aluminum from them, give them a shot at earning your business. So um, my last guess- and Absolutely. Is- I'm just going to pipe in. The, the body that I just put on my car was Rascal Aluminum. Nice. I love it. And so that's perfect. So w- did you get it from Rob, from uh, Abby, or from Adam? From Adam and Litchfield. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, because you're not far. You're just down the road in Dassel, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah perfect. So um, so thank you for that. Uh, so my, my last guest was a guy by the name. He's, he's a guy kind of like you. On all, all of the paperwork, his name is Joseph Thomas. Just like oh. your name is always Jonathan Olmscheid. Now you go by Jonathan. He doesn't go by Thomas. Like or or Joseph rather, he goes by Joey. He said the only person that really calls him Joseph is his mom. And so I said, Well, I'm not your mom. I'm I'm done calling you Joseph. So what do your friends call you? And he goes, Joey. And so Joey Thomas, uh, his question for you is about your number. Where did the US come from? And if you didn't run US, what would your number be? All right. So um, the U.S. came from, I was showing that uh, all the ethanol produ- produced in the United States can be run as a race fuel. Yeah. Uh, so that's why it's U.S. ethanol. And a lot of ethanol plants are my current sponsors. Yes. Yeah. There's. I was going through doing a little research like I always do. Your My Race Pass, your, your sponsor list um, on My Race Pass is all sort of energy producers. Like it's a whole bunch mm-hmm. of them. 
um, which is awesome. Like there's, I, I think that's a, I think that's a, a good thing for sure. So. Well, honestly, who can say that the fuel that they burn in their race car was produced from the corn from my backyard? Jonathan Olmstead, I mean, probably. Yeah. Right. <laughs> not very few. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now you're not making your own fuel, right? You're buying it. There's, there's, it's, it's ethanol race fuel, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's made it's right. Not the, it's not Minnesota. the ethanol that I pump at the, at the local 7-Eleven, right? So the base fuel could be the original. They could have been the same right out of the same plant. Okay. Uh, my fuel comes from Benson, Minnesota, and the co-op right there, Glacial Plains. They blended it into race fuel for me. So how? What does that mean? Like, we're going to go down the rabbit hole with ethanol here for a second. So what is what is? You're an accountant. You're not a chemist, but do, do you know the answer? I guess. Do uh, I do. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so ethanol in its pure form is 114 octane, and why it runs cooler, just like methanol it has higher oxygen molecules. So there's more oxygen going in and that oxygen is generally cooler than the fuel going in. So it right. helps the motor run cooler. So I would run 100% ethanol, but the government requires you to put 2% denaturing in it, poison, because otherwise people drink it. Right. Now, otherwise, it's moonshine. Otherwise it's just moonshine, exactly. It's yeah. moonshine. So if you yeah. smell my fuel, it is, it's clear and it smells like moonshine. Nice. Nice. Corn whiskey, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They make a whole show about race gas. I didn't even realize that they were those guys. Those guys down in the in the mountains, down in wherever the hell they are, they're making race gas. I didn't even know that, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. And so, is there the little tiny bit that I know about making horsepower? Is there if if there's more oxygen in ethanol and air and fuel and spark are what makes power? is that are you putting air in twice uh essentially you're putting in oxygen twice yeah, yep yeah. you know and it, it's clean oxygen versus the air that you suck in i mean you're on a dusty dirty racetrack so you're right, sucking yeah. in small particles so if you can bring in more oxygen with your fuel that's cleaner has gone through a filter it's going to be a better cleaning motor that's why most modified guys and late models they run methanol so that's all right. alcohol right nifty right this is all it's it's chemistry and family that's the and accountant <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> well, you summed me up there <laughs> yeah exactly uh okay so my next guest um and this is where we'll this is where we'll we'll throw the checkered flag on the on the uh on the show is I, I don't even know. Uh, his name is Brad Dunow, I believe, um, is a fan of my show and reached out to me and said, hey, I would love to be on your show and kind of talk about my racing experiences. Um, in the little bit of research that I've done already, I believe that Brad is a super fan of racing. He's uh, His kids used to race go-karts and he helped out with that, of course. And now I, I we're gonna find this all out on the show, obviously. Um, is I believe he makes racing toys um, and, and sells them at swap meets and, and different kind of places like that. Um, so what would your, with that, with that great introduction of Brad do now, what would your, what would your uh, question for Brad be? Okay. A little challenging. It is challenging, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I would say to Brad, what is his unicorn of racing events? Oh Yeah. 
as in is it going to a crown jewel event is it racing in one is it having his kids race in one what is his unicorn of racing events i love that question did you have that ahead of time no no you just thought of that okay the unicorn i was expecting a racer so i had a racing question Well, when we have you on again, um, the unicorn of racing events. I have to get this right because this is that's a that's a long question. So, is it um, watching uh, kids or driving? Like, what is your what is your sort of dream scenario? Um, and and I suppose what would the race be? Right. Yeah. Yep. So, so I'm going to make that's it's a good enough question where I'm going to make you answer it, Jonathan. So what what is what is that for you? Um, winning a crown jewel that is either live broadcasted or televised where I get a big check. Yeah, exactly. Like a, not not necessarily a big check like this, but a, a, the numbers have lots of comments. Oh. Yeah. No, a big check. Oh, you no, want the big, big check. Like even yeah. if it's a thousand bucks or something like that, you just want the physical check. Yeah. I mean, we don't race a lot. So, I mean, we don't win a lot. So when we do it, it's, it's cool. So yeah. I've never won a big check. I like, like the physically big check is what you want. A yep. happy, happy Gilmore check, I call them. Absolutely. So you yeah. can hang it on the shop all to say, I won that. Exactly. I like that a lot. So what would the, what would the, like, when you say crown jewel, are you thinking like, like Bristol or like Eldora or something like, are like those kinds of races? Or even, you know, a border battle or a topless or a nationals yeah, yeah. or, you know, something of that nature, Yeah, you know, high profile uh, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I race against those guys every week. So <laughs> If you get a chance to beat him on a big event, that's a big deal. It would be, be it would be cool for damn sure. So yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I Jonathan for a for an accountant, you're you're a great interview. Like that's like you know, the accountants kind of you guys get a bad rap. You're like attorneys that you're every one of you is boring, and you just you know with your pocket protector and you're just your little ten key over here and your Excel. <laughs> exactly. Not one in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm for sure damn not. So. The, the strange, so I will tell you something you have in common. The, the episode that just aired last night was Jesse Glenn's. Jesse Glenn's has, is an accountant. Like that's where his, that's where his, his degree, like where he went to school. So he's big time, you know, super popular video game character, uh, late model driver. And, and he's also an accountant. So there's, it's it just proves that racing is the best because you can you can be a, a multi-millionaire, you can be a, a guy that's you know pulling your race car on a two-wheel dolly, you can be an accountant, you can be an engineer. It doesn't matter. As soon as you roll out over the top of the hill, you're all race car drivers and you all have an equal shot at at collecting that big check at the end of the night. And that's what I freaking love about this sport. Yeah, I love that too. Doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. And everybody can have the same passion for racing. Yeah. So we brought it up the other day about you can have, you know, Kennedy Swan that is that is 13, 14 years old, 
and you can have Clarence uh, Washburn, who's damn near 80. You know, Red Farmer, I think, is now into his 90s and still and still racing late models down in Alabama. And it's just, it's the best. It's so much. I can't wait for the snow to be gone and for us to be able to go racing again. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Man, Jonathan, thank you for taking the time out um, and braving the, uh, the, 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 you guys got a shit ton of snow down there. And, uh, yep. and uh, I appreciate you taking the time and, and coming home early to, to make a show here for us. Absolutely. Well, it was a pleasure being on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Jonathan Omshad, the U.S. Modified on After the Checkers.